Hello, and welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I am Julie, and I have two co-hosts with me today. I have Cheryl Devon and Jeff Forrester. Defeat the Chaos is a show for all small business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs. Episodes focus on the intersection of successful business ownership, political changes. You know what? I fucking hate this intro. I'm not even going to say it. Jeff and Cheryl are going to give me some final coaching mental preparation as I prepare to climb the equivalent of Mount Everest next week. Actually, we're pre-recording this. I'm climbing this tomorrow, Friday, October 21st, 29,029 feet. We're going to check on my nerves, what I'm doing to prepare. And Jeff and Cheryl are going to give me some expert coaching. And Jeff's is going to be based on real life experience as he accomplished this climb last year. And Cheryl's is also based on real life experience because she just did that long kayak paddle down the Missouri River. Missouri, all Miss- the way across the state of Missouri. All the way. Yeah, there we go. All right. But before we get in, I do have one thing that I want to drop on everybody. And then I'm just going to turn it over to Jeff and Cheryl. This is what I got. Whose job is it to monitor the amounts of <laughs> semen being produced? There you go. That was for you, I Cheryl. Discovered. I did my research. I did my due diligence. I promised you I would find out who is monitoring who is semen production in the United States, our tax po- our tax dollars. F. It is, of course. We're being taxed to determine how much semen is being produced by men in the United States. And now there is this thread running that that we're trying to weed out certain races. Semen has become racist. I think the way they store it is even racist because I think they're segregating semen based on special interest groups. That is what I learned last night. I have, I have, you're, you're welcome. I appreciate well, that. Did, did, I know we've just completely gone off on a tangent on this one. <laughs> I remember hearing something about there was a professor who ended up fathering like 60 kids and he wasn't supposed to, but he had been in his family. No didn't know, he had been donating to a sperm bank and they weren't supposed to use it, but they were using his pedigree as an example of what they could offer. So they were giving this stuff out based on that. He's a professor and has all this intelligence and all this. And so next thing you know, he's got like 60 offspring that he didn't even know existed. So to your point, Cheryl, is I think they do. How do you know? You don't know. You just, you don't know. It's like Goldman Sachs. I mean, as producer Matt said, sperm banks are too big to fail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the fact that you said Goldman Sachs, I think is funny. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that you caught that, Jeff. Okay. Well, we have just derailed this whole conversation. I think you and I are uniquely qualified now to coach Julie here. So... (laughs) Yeah, let's get into it. So this was not just some random conversation. This was actually a follow-up from last week's discussion. As weird as it may sound, Cheryl stumbled upon a podcast that actually was talking about there's not enough black semen available. And we there we had some theories, but Cheryl needed to do some investigating on that. And she has accomplished that goal. So let's dive into coaching me. Now, first here, just for our listeners who aren't aware There is an event 
that is called 29029 Everesting. Mount Everest is 29,029 feet in elevation gain if you were going to go climb it. And years ago, Jesse Itzler created this event. He partnered with Colin O'Brady. They created it because friends were asking him, hey, when are you going to go climb Everest? When are you going to go climb Everest? And he said that it would be irresponsible of him to do that. He had a family. He didn't have the time to train for it. It was too risky. He was an entrepreneur. He had all these businesses, so he was never going to do it. And Jesse, being the creative genius that he is, decided, well, if I can't go to Everest, I'm going to bring it here. So the first year, I believe they did the event, was 2017. They rented a mountain in Stratton, Vermont, measured it out. So you climb the mountain, take the gondola down, and each time you have to reach the equivalent of Mount Everest. 29,029 feet in Stratton, Vermont is 17 ascents to the top of the mountain. 17. You get 36 hours to do it. So we start at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. And I have until 6 p.m. Saturday night to finish it. They have since added events in Utah, in Idaho, in Whistler, British Columbia. And as I said, this is a pre-record. By the time this comes out, it will already have been announced. But word on the street is that when they release the new schedule for 2023, there is at least one, possibly two, amazing new locations added nice there you have it no no hints on i don't know what they are i don't know i only know so i know someone who received a free entry from colin o'brady and she he she was going to tell him pre-tell him like i want to be in this one and he said wait you're going to want to wait there's some spectacular new locations coming you're going to want to wait so that's I, exciting. I know they come out on the 18th. I'll be all over that shit. <laughs> I think it's, I, love it. I don't think they go on sale the 18th. I think they just announce the locations no. on the 18th. I don't think they go on sale until early November and it sells out fast. Well, be on it. I mean, get on it. Be waiting for hours before they release it. <laughs> yes. No, do it. Seriously. Yes. Get on it. I mean, we do it in the, the, you know, kayak and canoe racing community, January 1st, we are literally up at six in the morning waiting for that window to open so we can sign up for the MR340. Be on it, Julie. Get, oh, I will. Get the one you want. Yeah. Yes, I will. So there are probably some people having some questions. This is a business radio show. And I think, Jeff, you do the most spectacular job of being able to tie events like this into what, how that relationship is with businesses. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I know we had a really good conversation with the uh, Midstate mile. Yes. And this event 100% relates to business. And really, if you think of like your canoe trip and you think of all these different hard things, to me, it creates a mental visual picture that's hard from a business perspective because it's, it creates effort but it's not physical strain. And uh, at least for me, it's hard to do mental audits as you're going through the world of small business and trying to grow your business. It's a lot of past reflection, which is similar to hard things as well. This event was one of those. One, 
you were talking about signing up the excitement, the anticipation, <laughs> everything that was the nerves, the idea of spending this kind of money to go do something like this. Incredibly exciting. Cause like you were saying, Cheryl, I sat down and I knew what time it was going to open. I kept just hitting refresh on my computer <clears throat> and I may have been the first one to sign up in 2019 for 2020. Yeah. So Jeff, we initially signed up to do the same event. We both signed up in 2019 and I had the same experience. I literally, I'm not exaggerating. I cried when I hit pay. I cried because I was so excited about the prospect of doing this event. And then it got canceled in 2020 and I had an injury in 2021. So I had to defer out and I was really bummed because I had a lot of friends doing it in 2021 and I missed it. So I'm now doing it. I don't, I know some of the volunteers, but I don't know. And I know a lot of Jesse's staff, but I don't know anyone else doing the actual event. Yeah. And that helped. It sounds a lot, the whole giddiness and crying and everything when you're waiting to sign up for that one thing and tying that back to business. Let's face it. Entrepreneurship is an endurance sport and that, that sign up for that event is a lot like when you launch your business. That first time you launch your business, you've got that excitement. You've got that anticipation, that giddiness, that the sky's the limit. It's what we do with these endurance sports is a lot like being in business. It is for the long haul. It is those obstacles. You don't know what's coming. You are putting in the hard work and the long hours. But God, when you cross that finish line, oh my God. I mean, Jeff, you know, you know. Yeah. Well, and just the the feelings beforehand, then I'll go into to the event itself so people have an idea. It was, I, I was sitting there going, why would I spend this kind of money? I'm usually pretty cheap, especially when it comes to doing stuff for me. But there was just this feeling. I was like, I've got to do this. So I talked to my wife. I'm like, I can't get this out of my head. I don't know why, but I have to do this. And so we looked at our finances like, okay, let's go. Let's do it which is very similar to a lot of times when people venture out. You're like, I don't know why I'm doing this, mm -hmm. but I know I need to do this. Absolutely. So got the anticipation over. Then you start the training, the preparing. And like most people, I didn't train as much as I should have. I didn't follow what they told us. They have specific trainers that have a training plan specifically for this. And they go, if you follow this, you will have success on the mountain. Just like what you guys at SB Pace offers is like, we have the roadmap. We have the things that you can put into place that will help make this a better journey. And most of us go, I'm good. I'll take what I can. And then I'll figure out the rest, which is okay, right? We all have our ways to do things. So went through the training and then got there that day. And then it just starts to become real because you stand at the bottom and then you look up. So <laughs> they rent, you walk up the ski slope. So you walk underneath the gondola and you look at it and you're like, okay, that's not too bad. So you're talking to yourself through as, okay, that's high, but it's not too bad. And you have the excitement, the big hoopla. Jesse does this unbelievable raw speech, which again, most people have when they're starting a new business. It's here we go. We're off to the races. And for me, I knew I was going to have mental issues and I was going to battle negative thoughts. Well, it happened about a hundred yards into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. On the first lap. Honestly, that and is so that. reassuring to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, it'll be later in the day. And you've got everybody around you. 
and you start and you hit the first incline. So the first incline is not that bad, but it's an incline at 6 a.m. Everybody's around you and then your heart rate goes up. And so then I would, I just, I, the negative talk started. I'm like, what did you do? There's just, you're not going to do this. You're not going to be able to do this. If you're feeling like this and you just started, what's the deal? And it it happened in small business. I got started and I went, what in the world did I do? I'm never going to make it up this mountain. And so you start and you get into the groove and you hit the first aid station. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm making progress and it's still dark. So you still, you're still in the dark. And again, I think that's starting a new business. You don't know really the mountain you're about to climb yet. And so the sun's coming up. It's beautiful. So I'm battling, telling myself to shut up. I'm like, just keep, point your head north, keep the poles on the ground and just keep moving up. And so I'm moving, we're zigzagging, you're getting a feel for everything. And the sun comes up and you look up and you see what you think is the top. And you keep going, you keep going, and you hit it. Well, lo and behold, it's a false summit. (laughs) We get those in business, too. (laughs) We got false bridges. Yeah, Yeah. this is where I thought I was going to be. And so then you realize you still have more to climb. Well, you get to the top. you You kind of make an adjustment and an assessment of how things feel. And going into it, they give you an idea of what an average climber can climb one lap in. And you use that to really do the math of how many laps it's going to take and what you need to do. So from that, we, I realized I went way faster on the first lap than I thought I would. So they said an average hiker does it in about an hour and a half. And that includes the down. I did it in 47 minutes. And I would consider myself an average hiker because I'm in Florida flat. I'm not used to elevation, but I knew from there. I had the ability to start to do the math and I got the first lap done. So that was a huge success to get the first one done. You hop on the gondola and you ride down to get ready to start all over again. I have questions. I'm going to hold them until we come back because we're coming up against the break. But I have some questions for you based on sort of some things that I have anxiety over that I want to ask about because I feel like you will you're really well positioned to help me work through those. This is great. I'm so glad that we're doing this. I'm not sure if this is going to help or hurt me, but we're going to figure it out. Stick around and we'll we'll talk more about business and climbing Mount Everest and kayaking down the Missouri River. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live, so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I'm Cheryl Devon. Of course, we've got our host, Julie Traxler, with us and our special guest, Jeff Forrester. This is the special cheerleading and coaching session episode for Julie's Ascent Up the Equivalent of Mount Everest with 29092 coming up. Well, it'll be tomorrow for this, won't it? Did I say it wrong? Yep. 29029. Jeff's got it on his shirt. Just read his fucking shirt. (laughs) I don't have my glasses on this morning. I'm dyslexic. I've had half a cup of coffee. I'm not dyslexic, but I may as well be. Okay. 29029. Yeah. All right. So So, we are coaching you. Yeah. We got a couple of questions. Again, because this is a pre-record, by the time this airs, I will already know this. But Jeff, I am actually heading to Vermont five days early. So I am going up, we're recording this on Friday, the 14th of October. I am heading up tomorrow, Saturday the 15th. And I rented an Airbnb in Stratton just simply because I knew I was going to drive up. I also just thought it'd just be easier and I love Vermont. So I'm just going up there for the week. All right. I will be very close to the mountain. Here is my first question. Should I go climb that mountain? Before Friday morning, or will that will will that work against me? Should I be pleasantly surprised by what I'm about to experience starting at six a.m. on Friday, or should I go climb it so I know what to expect? I guess there's different schools of thought. <clears throat> Mine is to say no, and the reason for that is I think it steals from the event. I think it steals from the morning because going into the unknown with all the rah-rah that's going to happen, because Jesse's brilliant in what he says, and Colin does the same thing. I don't know who's going to be the one that kicks you guys off, but I do think that it would steal from the event for a couple of reasons. One is you could start to worry and start to concern yourself with that one lap, and so self-doubt may set in, Mm -hmm. which then could blow you up during the event. The other thing I think is that you get to really enjoy and embrace what you're getting ready to do with not knowing what you're getting ready to do. Similar to business is that that feeling of holy smokes, like for me, knowing that I was started negative self talk within a hundred yards into this thing 
created a great story for me and a great lesson for me to understand and to realize because I had no time to process. I just had time to point up the mountain and go. And I do feel that if you did it early, that you would steal that away from yourself. Okay. I'm in complete agreement with you, Jeff. I'm in that same school is you want to be in the moment. You want to absolutely love every single second of that experience, all the good ones and the bad parts of it. You want to embrace all of that. When you go beforehand, you start getting into that, well, I'm familiar with this, and you stop paying attention. It isn't as is meaningful. You don't have that adrenaline rush. Plus, You've got a chance. I know in in the water racing community, we don't train on that stretch of river for the last week or two because we don't want to chance an injury. We don't want a chance of hurting the boat. We don't want to chance any of that. And we want to just embrace the whole experience. You're going to appreciate it so much more. I mean, go up and touch the mountain if you want. Kind of walk around it a little bit, but I wouldn't climb it. Okay. Here's my next question. After you climbed it the first time, Jeff, the first ascent... Was it mentally easier or harder the next ascent because you now knew, oh, fuck, man, that is a bitch or, okay, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm good. Can it be both? (laughs) It can. (laughs) I really do feel like it was both. And that's where they gave us mantras. Jesse gave us really good mantras of just turn right. So you get to the bottom and you get off the gondola and you just turn right to head right back up the mountain. And that's, he's like, just turn right. He goes, you're going to want to turn left to go into the lodge where it's warm and where there's food and there's the Aerotech boots and all those or Nematech boots, whatever the air boots are. You have all this stuff waiting for you. Just turn right. I'm telling you, just turn right. And that was having that mantra of just turn right. When you got off, you just turned right and you went and you started back up the hill. And then you would see familiar, friendly faces. You would see Colleen, who's the voice of the mountain, who's unbelievable. And then for me, I had the ultimate blessing of my wife went and volunteered. So the first day she was at the bottom. So I saw her at the bottom tent. So every time I came off, I got to see her, which then gave me the motivation to go back up. And then the second day she was at the top. So I needed her at the top that day. So it was, you you need people in both places. And that's, what's the beauty of this community, as well as what you guys do is when things suck, you need people that are there to cheer you on that have done it before because they know exactly where you're at. They know where you are in your headspace and what to do to get you out of it. And so what's unique about this event, most of the volunteers have either done the event, but most of them have finished the event and it was so powerful. They wanted to come back and help. And for me, that's an element that I want to have with this event is to support people because it's a whole nother world because you get to see every story unfold. Just like with you guys coaching people in small business, you get to see everything unfold and watch the whole battle and not be in it specifically because you get blinded. Like I went into it, Julie, thinking that I had my my headphones, I had all these podcasts, these books. I'm like, I've got 36 hours that I'm going to be up there. <laughs> I didn't... did not put my headphones on once. 
I was going to bet that you didn't put your headphones on, and that's because you were either listening to silence or having conversations? Well, and even conversations. It's I thought I would be chatting it up all up and down the mountain. But what happens is, again, just like in small business, you start to get spread out. Some people are moving faster than you. Some people are moving slower than you. And there's rarely anybody walking directly beside you unless they're passing you or you're passing them. So you have conversation. You cheer each other on whichever way you're going, but then they just move on or you move on and then you're by yourself again. So there was very few opportunities that I had to walk side by side with someone lap after lap to really build a strong relationship. I was fortunate that Amy Tucker from Salty Britches was there. And then another friend, Megan, that was there, that we did walk a couple of laps completely together. And it was helpful because we made a pact that nobody complains. If you got to stop, just stop, but don't complain. Don't say anything negative. Let's just move forward. And it was helpful. But then there was a time where Amy, she went out on her own. She's like, I got to keep going. I got to go through the night. I need this extra lap. And then Megan, at one point, she was ahead by a lap, but she bonked and she's like, I've got to sit down, but keep going. So I kept going and I didn't know if I would see her again. And then five laps into it for me, I thought I was done because I just was not feeling good. It was just, I realized I was not, I, my new, I'd gotten behind on my nutrition. Well, I see a friendly face. He hands me a half a banana and honey and that snapped me back into it. Yep. Off I went. Yeah. I, so one of the things that I am really grateful for is, I don't know if you, do you know, a, Noah Pines? Yes, yes. Him, so he did. He crewed me at Midstate. He, oh yeah, that's right. He, him and his wife Jen are volunteering this year. Oh, that's and great. And I love Noah. He is a dear friend. He actually sent me a text yesterday and he said, one week, Julie, one week. And I was like, I know. He's um, good at that. So I asked him to be my guy who talks shit to me. I don't need the cheerleading. I need the. No, you need shit talkers. Yeah. So Noah said that him and he's Jen. He's good at it. He's like, I got you covered. I'm really excited <laughs> about that. I have been looking at it from the perspective of. And I'm only recently embracing the fact that I really am a type A overachieving, maybe a perfectionist. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yes. I've looked at the training for 29029 as eight separate pieces. So it is not just incline training. In fact, I consider incline training to be the smallest piece of what we're doing. I look at, so there's incline, there's endurance. So that time on your feet is critical, right? I look at the rest, like getting sleep, truly resting, recovering, which I consider to be different than resting in terms of taking care of the aches, the pains, the massages, that type of stuff. There's nutrition, there's gear, there is the, oh, I'm missing a piece because the one, only one other one I can remember right now is the is the mental piece of it. And there's one more that I somehow am missing. But I look at all those different, oh, nutrition. So there's the eighth one. So there's eight different things that I've been really paying attention to. And I know which one I'm by far having the most struggles with. Anybody want to guess which one it is? 
The rest part? No, I would think it's either the mental part or, well, no, I wouldn't see that in you though. Not the mental part. Is it the nutrition? It's the nutrition. Every time that we've had those long Saturdays, like the six, the 12, the eight, the 10 hour workouts, my nutrition is just, I jack it, I jack it. So I'm the most concerned about the nutrition part. And I know the coach on the coach's calls, they're like, you just listen to your body. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah, the most important. I can't, we can't coach everybody through nutrition because it's different for everybody, but you got to listen to your body. But they're like, don't, you're going to get to those aid stations and you're going to see all that food. Don't, don't Mm-mm. be gluttonous about it. No. Listen to your body. Cause you know, apparently there's, I don't know. Apparently there's a lot of stuff at the aid stations, a lot of food. Yeah. And it's, and some of it's weird stuff. Yeah. And so you should never experiment on the mountain. Agree. Oh gosh. No, you no. Just, you stick with what, like they were handing out pickle juice and I've never done pickle juice. So I was like, I'm not touching it. I had my own nutrition drink, but it's true because I went in for a lunch and on the first day and none of it looked appealing. None of it. And I, but I was bummed and I think that's what got me behind because it just didn't look good. So I didn't hardly eat anything because it was, to me, it was weird. It was like, like grilled cheese and all this stuff that I don't necessarily eat normally. So I was afraid to eat it. So I picked at it, but then what it helped me do is make a decision for the next day. I knew I was going to go in for lunch because I'd done the math too. And I just had a cup of ramen noodles. Dude, that was like jet fuel. I had that. I drank it on the way down. I got all that sodium in my body and then had Mm -hmm. a little bit of carbs from the noodles, but it was the sodium. And I'm telling you, it was, I would have paid a thousand dollars for that cup of ramen that day because it was what I wanted. My, I looked at it. I went, that's what I want. I had the coolers have Cokes in them. And and I had one Coke one day and quick energy. Were you looking for quick energy? Well, I would just, yeah, I just looked it in the cooler and went, that looks good. And so I drank it and I never had another one because that never looked good again, but it did yeah. what it needed because, and it's true. I think your body will look and go, I think that's, that looks pretty good. The body knows what it needs. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen to it. It, it. Whether it's in our worlds, there's tailwind and there's the goo. I don't know if you guys use any of that stuff. Goo. And then, and, and then there's me. I look at that and I go, oh, I can't do it. I am the redneck athlete. I'm eating pickles and Fritos and beef summer sausage sandwiches and my coach is just like are you kidding me but it's uh, seriously it's what got me through the other stuff and i don't eat that normally but the body will tell you exactly what you need listen to it julie yeah do it yeah so i think when i think about the the eight components that i in my mind have it broken down into it's very similar to how I look at our business, right? You've got strategy, you have execution, there's the financials, you've got your team, you have clients, you've got the marketing piece. So there's all these different aspects that you need to be paying attention to. And almost always, there's one, two, maybe three where you don't feel that confident in. You feel like, oh, I'm not really sure about this. And those are the areas that you really need to either do some more research, seek guidance, find somebody who does know, who can, who has a, a really good grasp on that particular piece of it to say, hey, and that's what I started doing was, let me look at carb to protein ratio for endurance sports. And that's what I applied last Saturday to the eight hour workout. And 
I got to tell you, it worked pretty good. All right, we are right up against the break. When we come back, we were, we're going to finish this amazing conversation. Stick around. Hey, everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live so there's no editing or production if we screw up which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I am loving this conversation today. I feel like it is such a good correlation between business and personal and how we take on challenges. And I cannot wait for the final segment of the show. All right. Cheryl, we have not heard that much from you today. I know that's shocking, isn't it? It really (laughs) is. But no, I love hearing what the other endurance... uh, athletes are doing and hearing the correlations. And there are so many of them between the business and the different sports. I think the one thing that you're going to find is your that silence where Jeff had talked about, he didn't put his headphones on or anything. That silence when you are alone is where you are going to really develop into who you truly are as a human being. You're going to have these epiphanies. You're going to find out exactly what you are capable of and and you will discover that even when you think your tank is empty there's always a little bit more in there you're going to discover some truths some serious truths some hard truths that you didn't really take a good look at before and then you're going to discover some really amazing truths that you hadn't realized you were capable of either. And your whole life is going to be transformed at the end of this race, Julie. I'm so excited for you. I really am. I can't wait for you to do this. Thank you. I, yeah, I think there will be, I'm definitely prepared for the ones and twos on the mountain. Jeff, when they asked you, this is going to sound really weird. I've spent a lot of time thinking about, because I know they ask everybody, what's your why? 
I'm having a hard time putting my thumb on my why for doing the event because when I initially signed up, my why was very different than I was in a very different place in my life than I'm at right now. So I'm curious when you did it, what was your, a couple things is that there are some incredible whys of why people go up there. I mean, tear jerking. I had a buddy that just, just attempted Whistler. He came one lap short because he got hurt, but he went in recognition of his wife who had passed from breast cancer. Powerful story. For me, it wasn't that of a powerful, moving, emotional. It was to prove to myself that I could do something really hard and also show my kids and lead my family by example that if you're going to do something, it's going to be hard and how much you appreciate afterwards going to be far greater than the how difficult the event was. So it wasn't, again, for me, like this big, crazy aha moment other than I just wanted to do something hard and prove to myself that I could do it. And the other thing when you got, when Cheryl, you were talking, one of the other amazing things about the mountain that I wish we could get to in society is it's just other people on the mountain. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know their social status. I didn't know what they did for a living. So you treat every climber exactly the same because you're all in the suck together. Exactly. Some are moving a lot faster. Some are moving a lot slower. And so I purposefully didn't ask people what they did when they would come by. I'd ask them where they from, what's their family like. And then we get to the end of the event and come to No, I was talking to a guy that's the founder and CEO of a pharmaceutical company. Wow. (laughs) This guy's worth a ton of money. Yeah. And, but he's just out there doing hard stuff. And it was incredible to hear his story and to, and then when you go back and you get to hear his why was very powerful, all for a red hat. You don't get anything else from it. It's not a worldwide notoriety of a gold medal on the Olympics. It's a red hat. And most people, I wear the red hat. Everybody thinks, oh, nice, cool red hat. What does 29029 mean? Nobody knows what it is. No, and I'm okay with it. I think it's great that Mm -hmm. I have this monumentous event that I accomplished that nobody else really knows. There's a very small group of people that if they see it, they'll know about it. And Julie, the thing that I want you to keep in mind is you have two choices, your body breaks or you time out. Otherwise you finish. Those are your only two choices on the weekend. That's it. And you keep reminding yourself of that, that you're either going to time out or you're going to get hurt because there were people that were there that there was no way they were going to make the 17 laps, but they turned and they went back up to time out. And then they'll, because they'll say, look, you're not going to make it so you can finish the lap that you're on. And they did, but that was their event, what they needed to accomplish and what they did. And you would see them, you'd go up, you'd come down the gondola and you'd see them halfway. And then sometimes you'd go back up and you'd pass them, but they just consistently did it every single time. And there was two ladies that powerful that they literally never stopped. They just kept going and they finished like with 30 minutes left and they had more applause than the young couple that finished like in 16 hours. It was ridiculous. They just were flying up and down 
which was cool. And they were super nice, really nice and encouraging to everybody else. But like that to me, it looked easy for them. But I was more impressed that you'd see this woman in her rain gear, pouring rain all by herself, just going back. She'd never done a 5K, never done anything. And then here she is on this event and finished. Can you imagine how hard she cried when it was over? Oh, we all did. I can imagine. (laughs) You go and then they have a shoot with a red carpet and you get that and Mm -hmm. you don't even know what to say. Like I got up there and I was like, I finished. I did it. And you cry. You just cry because it is. I think now it's still. It yeah, still is that raw, overwhelming. Yeah. You, I'm you, crying. You think, I didn't even do it yet. Um, I'm crying. But I damn mean, it! <laughs> when you say the very last person that came in the in the MR340, we have 86 hours to get through that 340, and the very last person to make it in is the one that there isn't a single person that leaves. We wait, and they get more applause than anybody else, and we're all hurting. You, you have to. We get carried up the ramp because you can't walk. I couldn't close my hands for a week, and I was already planning for the next for this year. coming year. Yeah, yeah. But it's it is such a feeling of overwhelm, and to realize just what you're capable of and what you've accomplished with this unique elite group of people from yeah. all all stations of life and all physicalities and hardships. And that's really what we are as small businesses too. We're all in the climb or the paddle together. Yep. Just finish. Yep. Just finish it. Don't. And it doesn't matter. I mean, there were people that came in after the 86 hour mark, but they still came and we waited for them. We yeah. waited and cheered them because they didn't tap out. It was kind of like, it's like professional wrestling. They've got that who last man standing thing. Just don't tap out. Yeah. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you get sleep or hold and put to sleep. It doesn't matter. Just don't tap out. Don't quit on yourself because you win. That's the You just key. always win. Yeah. I know. So for our listeners, if you want to follow along with the event, follow on Instagram. The stories are amazing. 29029 Everesting is the Instagram account. And I know from Whistler 1 and 2 a couple of weeks ago, it was just incredible stories to watch and i think about jim fisher this 80 year old man who finished and you think to yourself if an 80 year old man can do it then i can do it and not saying i've got anything on an 80 year old man but let's face it your body starts to break to 80 years old and he did it he climbed twenty nine thousand twenty nine feet and he looked fantastic when he did when he finished. And then there's the woman, and I don't remember if I told this story on the show a couple of weeks ago when Jeff was here, but talking about this woman who was in Whistler number two, two years ago, she found out she had Parkinson's. And when they asked her why, she said that for the first year after her diagnosis, she treated herself like decaf coffee. Like, why bother? And I literally sobbed listening to her story. And she said, but I realized I'm not decaf coffee. I'm fully caffeinated. And she got a red hat. She finished. And when she finished, I was sobbing so hard watching that story. And you think you become so emotionally connected watching it and just the energy. And honestly, a lot of it goes, a lot of accolades need to be given to Jesse and his team. That 2902 team and the work that they do, the volunteers, the actual 
were employees of 29029, the video, the videographer, the camera. It's incredible. Like you look at the their Instagram page and you just, you want to go climb that fucking mountain. You really do. I've been thinking a lot about my why and I have a couple of different thoughts on it. I'm not going to share them here because I want to, first time I say it out loud, it's going to be on that mountain. But I just am... I think I would describe myself as being about 70% ready. I think that's going to be sufficient. I know it's going to be hard. I know I'm going to struggle. I know I'm going to enter the pain cave. Jeff, we talked about this when I said I was afraid to go to sleep. I'm afraid to go to bed at night. I don't want to go 36 straight hours. I can't go 36 straight. I'm not going to say that. If I need to go 36 straight hours, I'll go 36 straight hours. I prefer to sleep, but I have a deep fear that if I go to sleep, even if it's for three or four hours, that my body's going to be like, oh no, we're done. And when I told Jeff that, probably about two months ago almost, Jeff said, do you think you could get up and walk to your car? I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, then you can get up and get back on the mountain, Julie. That's exactly it. <laughs> okay. Night one of, of the 340 and what, 114 miles. And I, I hurt. I've got fibro. I got all the stuff. Nothing was cutting through it. And I woke up that next morning and I cried and I popped a couple more ibuprofen, grabbed a coffee and let them help me down the ramp into that boat. Just get in one more paddle, one more step, one more anything, just your body's going to go, this sucks. I'm not doing it. And you just go, I know. And you just put one foot in front of the other. And eventually the body goes, okay, fine. I give up. Yeah. A a friend of mine, Mike Parnell, who did it last year, you know, Mike, Jeff, right? Yeah. Mike, who did it last year, he was, him and I were messaging back and forth. And he said, Julie, there was a lot of time where I was like, just go 50 steps and rest, 50 steps and rest. And he said, I did I, did, I think he said he did two or three full laps where it was 50 steps, rest, 50 steps, rest. He said, that was it. But that was the deal I made with myself. 50 steps, rest, 50 steps, rest. Whatever you got to do, make the deal. <laughs> it doesn't really yeah. matter. Well, and Jesse talks about rest on the mountain. So if you feel like you need to rest, make start the lap and rest at an aid station and then keep moving. The most people, and I think this would... Uh, happen. Actually, I know this happens in small business as well, is you take too much time in the warm environment and you're never, you never get back in it. So mm-hmm. just rest while you're in it. If you got to take a siesta in the middle of the day, just sit in a chair and close your eyes. If you're hectic and you're knee deep and neck deep in emails and trying to lead generate and all the annoying stuff that we have to do, just sit down, take a deep breath, have a cup of coffee and move on and just rest on the mountain was another thing that he shared. So that way it, like you said, Cheryl, just get back in the boat and start paddling. Yeah. Yeah. If you got that rest thing right in the element, there's times where you just, you stop paddling and you just let the river float you in that slow current, but you're still moving, you know, you're Mm -hmm. still in the element and you're still going and you can do that. Julie, I got a question for you. Yeah. Is there a way to track you in live time while you're doing that for those of us who can't be at the mountain with you? I think on the 29029 website, they keep updated how many laps you've done. I don't know how close to real time it is. Jeff would have a better idea of that. 
I don't, it's a little behind, but at least gives you an idea. Of, does it go um, by your name or your is name. there a number? Or, it goes by your name. It goes by your name. Yeah. But it goes, you have to search for it because it goes by the number of ascents. So you just, you're looking under each thing to see where somebody's okay. at. But that, yes, you can, the 29029 website gives that information. Well, All right. I'll be with you. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to, I will post occasionally on social media. I'll try to. I don't really know how re- reasonable that is, but we'll, I will give it my best go around. Okay. We are bumping up against the very end of the show. Jeff and Cheryl, thank you so much. This was a very fun, interesting conversation and very unusual for what we normally are doing on this show, but I think the listeners are going to appreciate it. Thanks everyone for tuning in and you can catch us live every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business Channel.